Welcome to the group podcast by Sinita's Guild with HR4K and Contact Coffee. Hello. And um, you, oh, go. uh, you got you got a voice for it as well. Uh, meet- yeah. This meeting's being recorded. Do you want to be? In- yeah, I suppose, uh, oh, I suppose that's the point. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know the bit in when he goes, he goes like this, doesn't he? Goes like that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I don't look like it now, but everyone goes, oh, you look just like it." I was like, "Am I? I'm going to take the compliment that I look like Robert Redford, or do I just look like the bloke in the meme?" <laughs> at the moment, at the moment, I, with this shirt on, I feel like I look like Chunk from the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> but that bloke in the meme. Right. When I first saw that meme with that nodding, it's a gif, isn't it? I yeah. first thought it was the guy out of the hangover. Uh Gap and Little or whatever his name is. Yeah, it I get that a lot. Well. An image. Yeah. Uh did, did I tell you the time that I was walking? I, I came out of the jungle um on a squadron exercise. And I was I can't remember where we went through. I think we'd gone through some some exotic place. And it was just loads of backpackers. And I was walking through, I had a Claymore bag as, um, as like my man bag, uh, T-shirt on, pair of cut-down cry shorts, beard, and someone went, that's the guy from The Hangover. <laughs> 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 and it wasn't, it wasn't even like it was, a, it was like a jest. The guy honestly believed it. And then um, a mate of mine, we were out in the States. You know how gullible sometimes these people are in the States. And we were in proper down, right on the Mexican border somewhere. Uh, near uh, El Centro, so that sort of area. <laughs> and um, uh, one of my mates were in a restaurant, a whole sort of troop do, and one of my mates went um, to the staff, I don't know if you know, but we've got the guy from The Hangover for dinner tonight. And I, I kept looking over. I didn't obviously hear this. And I just kept looking over, and I could see, like, members of staff, like, peering around the corner like this. <laughs> you know, and, and they're all pointing. And they go, you are, right? You are. You are. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> but to, be fa- to, be, to be fair, though, uh, as I, I think many of us, have. we, we all have double gangers. Um, I mean, I, I've been referred to everyone from uh, Jade Goody, uh, the... the uh, yeah, uh, who else have I been... Uh, your man from... Um, uh, what's that kid's... Uh, Justin from the kids' TV Mr. show. Bumble. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Tumble. Yeah, uh, mate, I get the lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what's I've been Damien Lewis a few times by by randoms as well. Yeah. I like, I like. I don't think he's particularly good looking. No. no. But no. it's still nice. Yeah, but yeah. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it actor Damien Lewis or the guy who lives just three doors down from your house at the moment? Is it like... <laughs> 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 I've had a few actually. It happened. It happened four or five times in the space of about two years. But that hasn't happened now for about five years. That's worrying. Maybe it was just at a specific stage in my physical development. Yeah. That I all of a sudden looked like Damien, Damien Lewis, and actually makes sense actually because he was Homeland was on TV at the time exactly. as well as the end of Homeland, so he was on people's radar. Yeah. Now he's yeah. Not. He yeah. needs to get yeah. back. He needs to get back on TV so I can be noticed for the wrong thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work for Jade Goody, but I, I, uh, I, I think, yeah, I mean that's obviously a sad story. So I don't want to. Uh, it's quite a sad story about her, but 
but yeah, at the time when she was obviously like quite famous in the UK. Uh, in fact, I tell you when I got called it. Do you remember when we were on juniors and it was Stu Kennedy? Stu Kennedy called me in the cookhouse in uh, uh, Daring Lines or whatever it is. I was like, "It's Jay Goody," and I was just like, "No, the last <laughs> thing you want is something like that sticking." Yeah, especially the course. I, I thought you yeah, couldn't yeah. make it like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just my timings are just shit. That's all. Literally, the only reason I joined. Gaz said Ben can't make it. I said, "I'm in." I'm in. <laughs> I'll be able to get a word in. I'll be able to get a word in. <laughs> that's it. I didn't know Ben was going to be here. I thought we had Luke. Luke stepped out, and like Ben's just turned up. So there we go. Whatever. We'll get yeah. we'll roll with it. So um, um, you would explain that shirt then, Ben, or what? Uh, yeah. So uh, I've, got, I've got about I've got about three of these in different colours. Uh, uh, I've got stag do. My brother-in-law stag do. Um, next weekend and actually i thought i'd bring back some decent vintage uh wine shirts okay yeah so that's it i'm not going for that shuffle shuffle uh thing. <laughs> yeah if you're just on the audio version ben is wearing a classic wine shirt i forgot about the hawaiian it's shirt you what sorry i forgot about the hawaiian shirt thing we should do that next weekend guys good day we could do. I think it would be fucking cold. Well, yeah, yeah. we can wear it up on top of it around the bikes. Gotcha. Um, evening wear. That's it. We're doing it. Yeah, Hawaiian shirts. I forgot yeah, about I just, I just think there's something fairly middle-aged about it that's still <laughs> kind of cool. And, uh, you know, um, I think it's a well, di- think- In fact, talking about middle-aged, just middle-aged quickly, I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with barbecues at the moment. And I went into uh, the butchers yesterday and he said, it's funny enough, a lot of men in your age group are into this sort of thing. And I've realized that's where I've hit this kind of middle-aged. <laughs> I was about to say, I was about to say, when you do it, like when we do it, like you used to do back in the day when we were serving, you would, you would well, if you look now and saw like an 18, 20, 25 year old wearing a Hawaiian shirt of an evening, you'd think oh, that guy's wearing a Hawaiian shirt for a laugh. When you get to our age, you look and go, is he wearing it for a laugh? Or does he actually dress like that? I can't yeah. tell, I can't tell. <laughs> Three days holiday. No, middle-aged people do it because they want people to know they've still been on. I'm still in holiday mode. Still on holiday mode. Yeah, yeah I've still got it, it. It's almost like the scope of what we're allowed to wear now. As you as you get older, the scope of what you're you're able to get away with wearing is much wider because because you're getting closer to sort of see, senility. See now, is senility <laughs> over? You know, you're losing your marbles. You know, white hairs yeah. coming. Your body starts signaling that it's giving up. You're on the way to death. And your brain started crumbling in a really slow way. So your margin for error is a lot. You're allowed to get away with a lot more. But people just assume you've given up. Accepted. Is that giving up? No, people just assume that you've given up on life and you just don't give a fuck anymore. Like when you're (laughs) young, you try. You care when you're young. Like when you get to a certain point where it's like you're past your use anyway. Yeah, you do what the fuck you want. So people just let you get on with it. It's like, fine, he's obviously got problems to sleep alone. Yeah, or, or really, when you're young, you actually give a shit what you look like. Where yeah. as you get a little bit older, you're like, well, do you know what? To be fair, these Crocs are incredibly comfortable. I like a Croc; they're the best. You do like a Croc? It's very simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Practical. Yeah, on, on the subject of clothing, I like I like bright trainers. Right, I've got this pair of bright green Adidas running trainers. That I've had well, they're just fitness trainers that I've had for fucking hell, like five years now. I used to use them to run, I didn't anymore, but I keep, I just cut, put them on a pair of jeans, cool. Anyway, they die in. 
So uh, I went and bought a pair. I went into uh, Sports Direct and bought. Went looking for bright trainers. It was it. We just needed bright. And didn't have any normal trainers. What I did have in the football section was they had some trainers that were for indoor gym use or astroturf, bright orange. They were football trainers. Like proper for football, you could tell leather things. I'm buying them. I don't know. I love us. So I bought them. I went in like with like proper bright orange, like health and safety orange with my jeans. The missus, like, what are you doing? But you can't, they, they look like football trainers. They are football trainers. So what I so then I got I got a bit self-conscious, which you don't normally do. But to to combat that, that so not looking like I'm wearing a pair of football trainers with my normal clothes, mm-hmm. I when I wear them. I dress like I'm a football coach. <laughs> <laughs> so I wear the trainers. I've got a did Adidas like tracksuit bottoms and I stick a sporty top on. Unless I go cut the boat, I can wear the trainers there. And it looks, I'm, I'm not a football coach. <laughs> I just yeah. realised how moronic that is. It's ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. I thought you just did it to match your hair. I thought you wanted like the bottom at the top. Like, <laughs> yeah. You end up looking like a Duracell battery or something like that. I Mate, it's gotten kind of darker like... now. It's got older. It's gotten a lot darker. It not is darker. actually. Rusty. It's rusty, rusty. Yeah, rusty. Yeah, I like it. That's a sign of getting older. No, it? I think th- you talk, but like you find a pair of shoes that you like or whatever, an item of clothing that works for you, and when they sort of run out, you don't go, "Well, I'm going to go have a, a change and buy something different." You buy another pair of them. Yeah, the trust standard. I've had a, I've had a pair of sandals. Yeah, there we go. The jungle boots. Ben's yeah. gone. Yeah, I've a desert boots. Sorry. Sambas, I've had a pair of Sambas recurring for years and years and years. Although I went for two years without a pair. My missus bought some for yeah. me a, a few months back. Uh, and then, it's just, but it's always had this. I haven't had a pair of desert boots for a while, though. Don't be wearing yeah, them. These, I'm, I'm these, these, these are Altamas. I mean, I, I, I've always been obsessed with Altama desert boots. And I wore them in the early Iraq days. When I, and and I've worn them everywhere, everywhere, Afghan, you name it. I, I wore it in Kenya, Altama desert boots. And the great thing is, they still look good on the piss. Granted, they are women repellers. However, <laughs> they are they are they are the go-to boot. They are just beware though. Anyone who is wearing them going through an airport, they got metal strip in them. Can right. get can get a bit awkward <laughs> when they're going through the X-ray. But all good. Right. <laughs> yeah, desert boots. I mean, remember the old ones? Huh? Um, yeah, I'm working on a couple at the moment. So we 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 always wanted a Viking one. Um, we always wanted a Viking event for when we when we reopen. So I think we're going to look at something like that. I've just got to work out when at the moment. It's just a lot going on. Um, a lot of irons in the fires and all that sort of crap. What do you mean a Viking event? Like you invite Vikings? Yeah, you know. Dr- Dress up like a Viking with a Hawaiian shirt, throwing some axes, <laughs> eating some barbecue. So now I'm making up as I go along. Yeah, I was say, those are, when I, when I, whenever I research Viking history, it's always like old, there's tapestries of them in Hawaiian shirts all the time. <laughs> yeah, there is. These, these guys, these guys were travelers. I mean, to be fair, there's a good chance they, well, they were in America before anyone else. Yeah. Apart from really? Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, yes. Yeah. So the they used they used the old trading routes. Actually, there's they used the old trading routes into North America, um, and actually, there's there's some carvings on some chapels up in Scotland that have got sweet corn on them. Um, that uh, as in like the the carvings of sweet corn corn on the cob that predate Christopher Columbus. 
Um, and obviously what they think is it's the old um, Viking and Norman uh, trade, well, originally Viking, and then obviously the Normans went south, uh, was the old trading routes that went up through uh, Scotland, Iceland, Greenland, and then into uh, Northern America. Did you know that Wales colonised some places and the first two colonies, that whale, that places that Wales colonised, Number one was Cornwall. and Cardiff. <laughs> Cornwall. Cornwall was colonised by the Welsh. And second place yeah. was um, Brittany in France. Really? You, you go over there and you will find ancient Welsh Druid murals and stuff. Yeah, Cornwall and, Cornwall and, and uh, Brittany. Does Cornwall count, seeing as it's sort of, you know... <laughs> well, I, I suggest we don't give a fuck about it anymore. Yeah. So it doesn't... <laughs> They're their own strange beast now, I think. Yeah. Very strange beast. I was, I was born in St. Um Yeah, so, so apparently, as well, while we're on that, and also Guinness, uh, well, Stout, not Guinness, but Stout originated in Wales as well, and then was taken over by Trent as well. Is that, is that Ben's connection? Ben's connection's wank. Is it? A bit, or maybe, yeah. I, maybe, I, maybe I got away with that Webster's comment that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so um, what are we talking about? Wales colonised. Yeah, so, so, well, there's, if, when, um, when the Knights Templar on Friday the 13th were actually, um, obviously about, about to be uh, captured. They had like a, a big warrant against them, didn't they? And um, the, the head shed for the Knights Templar went over to France uh, to see the king because obviously they were being classed as uh, heretics by the Pope and the King of France, basically because uh, they um, they owed a lot of money to the Knights Templar. Anyway, the uh, head shed of the Knights Templar basically turned around to the rest of the guys and said, listen, whatever it is we found at uh, King Solomon's Temple, uh, pick it up and get the fuck out of here because we're about to get our asses kicked by the Catholics. So they all um, fucked, up, uh, fucked up off north, up to Scotland, and then from Scotland, they, um, they, they kind of, it's said that they headed west on the old uh, trading routes that only people like the Normans and the Vikings and people of that um, kind of um, uh, uh, types would know, which is obviously the foundations of the Knights Templar, the, the Normans, etc. So, Interestingly enough, uh, obviously the Knights Templar uh, has a, a strong relation with the Freemasons and the cornerstone of the Senate building was laid by the founding fathers dressed in their, um, Freemason robes. Um, and whatever was potentially found in King Solomon's temple is probably somewhere uh, in America. Now, the reason why they headed west is because west has always been a significant thing within uh, paganism. And then obviously also the stuff that um, uh, the, the Knights Templar believe, which is about sun and, and all the other good bits and pieces. So, so heading west was kind of the, 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 the destination they had to go. And that's where they went to flee against the Catholics. Something about that. So there you go. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question. I've got, I've got a question. Gaz, I want to hear your opinions. If you've got one, you may not form one. My, what do you reckon is going to happen to? What do you reckon is going to happen to religion over the next twenty or thirty years? Oh God! Um, and the reason I ask is, so Ben mentioned religion. Yeah. The reason I ask is, it really conscious to me at the moment that 
more and more people are waking up because there's more information availability due to the internet. Yeah. So people are just becoming more sensible, right? Right. But religion serves a purpose uh-huh. in society. What, what, how, do you see, do you see, have you given any thoughts to this? How do you see it panning out? Do you reckon it'll just become something that'll be like a few people in the world that, and they'll be viewed as extremists and still believe in the dude in the sky in order to live that way of life? Or will, it, or will because of the money and the power it commands still at the moment, it'll maintain some form of relevancy? I can see people going back to it. I can see the, the world getting so bleak that people go back to it and just got to <laughs> step away from like, how things have turned out and just go back to it, to be honest. I could see that. Over how would that happen? No, there'd have to be like a. They'd have to. We'd have to like be, have some switch off of tech to not well, have access. That's, what, to that's the what happened in the first place. That's what happens in the first place. So, mm-hmm. so actually, uh, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, there was a, a place called Soma, and actually, it was uh, where Iraq is now, and it was Persia, and it was the center of learning, sciences, and all kinds of different uh, philosophies and and religions and everything else like that. And after what was uh, a big natural disaster, which they've proven, which uh, the Hebrews and the Jews are calling um, um, uh, Noah's Ark kind of big floods and everything else like that, then most of that learning and education was lost. And the only thing that sort of came out of it was um, was uh, certain small sect gods. And one of them is the god uh, that the Christians and the Catholics and the um and it were well, and 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 the um, Muslims all, all pray to now, which was obviously an originally a Hebrew Hebrew god. Um, but actually, that was caused because basically everyone wrote everything down and all that information was lost. That's going to obviously not going to be the same thing now because we got like cloud-based servers and all the other good bits and pieces. But actually, that's that's how religion got a, a reform and how we're probably not as far forward these days as we should be if all that education and science and learning was was kept. Um, my argument on that point, uh, well, my point on, on what you just said then, is actually I think there are certain sects and types of people that aren't ready to understand that they are so insignificant when it comes to the universe and the wider piece. I think people can't grasp that and they need something to justify their own existence and to give meaning. And I think there is um, certain races. I think there's certain types of people that just aren't mentally evolved to adapt or to comprehend that type of information. That, um, there's also one be, other piece. So my, my, last piece yeah, my, my last piece is that, as I quite agree with you, is um, without uh, re- religion at the moment gives people direction and control and, and gives them a, a sense of purpose, etc. And obviously for the, for other people, it gives uh, control, uh, gives, um, you can tax against it. You can, you can get people to abide by laws against it. Um, and now we've always seen in, in the Middle East, if you remove any dictatorship or leadership, it creates vacuums. And the th- first thing that comes into that vacuum is extremism based on religion, really. Um, I, I, I think until, until we evolve as a, a, as a complete race, as a whole human race, I don't think we'll ever get rid of religion. Yeah, I, but it wouldn't be removed. I mean, we wouldn't just get, wouldn't get removed. It's going to get weeded out, I reckon. 
But on, I mean, on the, the thing is, I think the only thing that would would the only significant thing that could pull people those hardcore, you know, families that whole lineage of ancestors upon ancestors believing in that craziness, whatever the religion is, could pull them away from that would be. I'm gonna we're gonna go far out here. Aliens. We're on the we're on the. I mean, that's becoming. That blows a lot of the religion, religious stories out of the water, right? The fact that there's other life forms out there and stuff. Well, so so does know. fact. So does facts blow religion out of the water, to be, to be fair. Like, um, you know, I mean, dinosaurs, shh, don't talk about them. Uh, you know, uh, let's look at Roman Catholicism. The clue's in the title, you're Roman and Catholicism. So basically it was a, a religion uh, built and created to control the Christians and the pagans. So one guy got everyone together and said, listen, I'm going to be the Pope. Uh, we're going to make up a thing called hell. Uh, my mum's going to go out. She's going to look for a, a, a really important shrines and things around the place. And then we're going to nick loads of really good ideas like Esther and all these different kind of uh, pagan bits and pieces. And I'm going to turn all our pagan temples into Christian churches. Have you read this? I've never heard this. I've, I seriously yeah. yeah, so there's a really good book called um the Hiram key the Hiram key it's a phenomenal it's an absolute really really good book but essentially uh, roman catholicism i believe it was created by one of the emperors i'm guessing constantine or someone like that and essentially um i think it was him uh, essentially he created a religion to to stop the christians kicking off in the roman empire and uh, created roman catholicism i don't believe it yeah Oh, well, tell me the origins of Roman Catholicism. Anything that happens over, like, anything that's... That Roman Catholicism, that must have been built on a, a religion already in existence, right? Christianity, which is which, which took thousands of... Well, hundreds of thousands of... Hundreds and thousands of years to evolve. And anything that takes that long to evolve as a thing, whatever that thing may be, it, it can't... It, it's too long a period of time. She involves too many people and too many lives and too many aspirations and thoughts and feelings for it to have been orchestrated that well to happen. It's almost like looking back on religion now to what it is today. You look back, it seems like, oh, yeah. it's, it's all a pre-planned thing. You're crazy looking at pre-planned things. Well, it, it happen. Hang on. My point, right? So that had to happen and, and produce this perfect thing now, which is, which is religion. In the same way you can look back, in the same way Christians or whatever religion, look back on the evolution of human beings and go, it's that perfect, it has to have been planned, it has to have been divine intervention for it to produce this perfect being a human being. For an actual fact, we know that's not the case. I think it's the same religion. You know, it's, it, 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 it can't, over that long a time, it can't have been that so, conscious of thought to go, we're going to produce this to, to control the population. It's something that happened, just evolved into this thing. There's some elements of bullshit along the way, but now we still cling on to it because it's been such an embedded part of life for the entire existence of flipping conscious homo sapiens or whatever we are. Mm. And But now at the tail end or this point in time, in the last 40 years, we've got, we know the gen because we've got the internet, we've got the much deeper thinking, we've got much more collaboration of thoughts and philosophies and information and stuff. I finished out your talk. No, no, all I was going to say was religion's designed to, persecute education and science because by by pushing down education and science you you create uh, people who become dependent on an organization i.e the church 
Now, Freemasonry, for example, was set up to, uh, to protect science and, edu uh, and education from the persecution of religion. Ironically, though, uh, that the heads of um, some of these Freemason organizations were people like Isaac, Isaac Newton, Oliver Cromwell, who's incredibly pious, uh, and some really, really big players within the church, as well as also within uh, royalty and sciences and everything else. But these people were basically using science because they knew we needed to evolve and we needed sciences, education, everything else like that. However, what they needed to do, the church, was to ensure that they have complete control over the people. By having complete control over the people, you keep them dumb and you keep them stupid. The, the, the Catholic Church has forever persecuted uh, people trying to learn science, people trying to learn anything that doesn't uh, abide by the doctrine of what's written in the Bible. The Bible is your guideline. So to answer your question or to answer your point, really, is the fact that you're you say, how has it evolved that long? Well, there's two there's two things. There's there's books and the two books that are only that are only written in bloody Latin and also are only read by people who could read, which were people within the church. So you've got things like um, the Quran, which the Quran uh, obviously is, is meant to be the rule set by angel, uh, angel Gabriel uh, given to Muhammad. And then you look at the Bible, which is exactly the same sort of uh, template or a similar template. And these are meant to be the gospel. So it's obviously true uh, as nicked off Ricky your face. But the, the point is, uh, these are guidelines set down and being read to by influential people in society. Um, which is obviously religious leaders, and they're using that to to control the people. Who? How, how much money does the does the um, do both sectors make? Uh, even small churches make because people have to contribute to the church. Oh, I, I need twenty percent of your wages. Yeah. To, it's going to God. Uh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, I, but I, I know what you're saying. It's used to control, but I don't think it was created to control. One of the, one of the, a really interesting thing I saw. Um, it was not long after I left. It was work. I was out. I was out, out in Iraq watching random flipping um, random documentaries and videos on my type off. And um, I I got given a documentary called it, it's called Man's Incredible Journey or the Incredible Journey of Man. Something like that. It's called. I think I've mentioned Gaz before. And it's by the, the, the person who's presenting. It's a lady called Alice, Doctor Alice or Professor Alice Roberts. Alice Roberts. Whatever you know, she she studies humans and evolution and all that. And he was talking about the the journey of how we came to be where we are from the moment we came, we crawled out of the ocean in South Africa, yeah, wherever it was, and how the tribe, not tribes, how we literally came to be in the different parts of the world we are, why we stayed in places like Siberia, how we got to places like Australia. It's an incredible documentary. However, there was one point in that documentary where I thought, it made me think, oh my God, maybe there is a God. And I, it made me feel uncomfortable. I never watched it again. So I don't even think about that. Because I was I'm so, you know, I'm atheist, right? I don't believe in all that stuff. But this there was a moment in it. And that moment was where she was talking about it was before we could it was before I think it was before there was any country, it was literally just tribal. We had been the powers of basic speech, I think. And thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago before any religions existed. <clears throat> and there was a cave, this, uh, uh, not a cave, a settlement they found, archaeologists had found. And they, they, they whatever creatures were really, there, I'm going very early stages then, there was carvings, or it wasn't carvings, in stone, where 
the shapes of basically uh, mythical beasts, beings, I think with angels, something like that, had been carved into this. And she was saying that, not carved, sorry, uh, whatever you do with stone. You carve stone? What you do with stone? Carve stone, yeah. Carve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she was saying, like, that far back, there wasn't Christianity. There wasn't Islam. There wasn't anything. So where did they get, where did they get these visions from? Where did they get this image from? There was only them and animals. This thing that was, I'll have to get the documentary, but this thing that they had, uh, it was a bunch of them, it was their own pillars, all small pillars, like, and then these things were like yay big, you know? And uh, she was saying, where, where did they get this from? And when I was thinking about it, I think, what, what are they seen? They, they were that basic, like imagination wasn't even like a thing. They must have had to have, because the brain hadn't evolved that far, they had to have seen something to be able to want to replicate it. It was unbelievable, like a, a crazy moment. You think, oh my God, maybe there's something. Do they not need to justify it, though? Otherworldly intervention. Do you not need to justify? So as humans, we, we, we think, right? As humans, we try and understand and we try and understand the world we live in. So surely they need a reason because we have consciousness, so you know, the other is we have consciousness. So we're actually the consciousness is right. How am I here? You know, you know, why am I here? Who's made me? Who's put me here? Well, I don't understand. You know, and also, fuck, I haven't had food. Oh, my crops aren't growing. How do I make sure that I get these? This must be something. What the hell is that big hot thing in the in the sky? That if it's not there, I don't grow crops. That that thing there must be my boss or whatever. There's there is a an understanding and a placement of where you are in a hierarchy and, and it's a consciousness that we ha we have a friend of mine went to a, a place i think it's in bolivia or somewhere i can't remember where he went to it's in the national geographic you can actually look at it in there of a monkey skull and obviously there's that uh, film that came out with um uh indiana jones film a friend of mine went over there and basically what it was was um an anomaly in the canopy uh, when someone flew over and uh, they marked and recorded that location. Uh, some uh, big sort of Hollywood film producer types who like doing archaeology in their spare time funded the, 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 the trip. And some friends of mine from my old place went over there to, to do the expedition into the trees. <clears throat> and they had to get dropped off something ridiculous like 10 Ks out because the canopy was so dense that they, they couldn't even cut in or, or, or get into the canopy. Anyway, when they got to the location, it was an old settlement that's thousands of years old thousands and thousands of years old predates sort of what we understand as christianity what we understand as judaism etc um and hebrewism it, it predates all of that and the first thing a friend of mine found and you'll see it in the national geographic is a monkey with a with a space helmet on it's a monkey's it's a monkey it's a statue of a monkey and it's perfectly carved perfectly carved I think that's the right term for uh, working with stone. Could could be knitting, but I think it's definitely carving. And um, uh, so, so, but it's perfect. This is the point is it's, it's amazing. So go back to these things is, could there, I agree with you, your first point, could there be something pre-summer, pre this, this time, where could there have been some influence, outside influence? Or is there also another point to yours, if there's thousands and thousands of gods interpreted by the, by individual tribes, sectors, families, etc., why should our one be the one true god? You know, why, you know, why, 
Uh, why, how can we got it right when there's there's thousands and thousands of other other type, type, types of types of gods? So I just think it's just it's it's an idea that people had to understand or justify their own existence, which has been corrupted by uh, leaders to use as a form of control to um, to oppress and also to control people in order to tax them and make sure they they abide by um, rules and guidelines. If you look at all rules, for example, well, my, my final point is this. Mohammed, um, when he wrote um, some bits and pieces and he, he took rules about things, how dogs are uh, dirty and how, um, you know, you can marry more than one woman and you shouldn't eat pork and all these other things. Most of these are just good rules that have been set because pigs carry diseases, many of them the same ones that humans do. Dogs walk their dog shit, their shit and everything else into the, into the Bedouin tents. And tribally in those days, um, if they couldn't marry uh, your daughter off, they go and used to leave the baby in the desert to, to die, a, a, a girl, because they needed boys, because they worked. So a lot of these rules that get put into religion are also guidelines how to, to act in society. There endeth. That's me. <laughs> Sorry. Hello, what's your thoughts? Well, I kind of agree. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm not religious. Um, yeah, it just it's it's ways of living your life that are useful. But yeah, they they obviously do. I mean, I've talked to Hubie about the sort of control aspect of this stuff. I think these things tend to be practical. Yeah, you have a, if you're if you have found yourself in charge or you've worked to be in charge of a load of people, um, and you you have an idea for what is best for them, whether that's the right thing or not, you have an idea of what's best or what is the, uh, you know, I think they. You have to try and push all these nutters in one direction or in the best direction, because uh, you know, some people get, some people are leaders and they get naturally what needs to happen. So yeah, if you're trying to persuade these bunch of crackheads of varying levels of intelligence, what needs to be done? Yeah, you, a story or some sort of rule-based system is is what you need to be able to do that. I don't think there has to be anything sinister about it. These things can become sinister, but I don't think there has to be anything sinister about it. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of times it's just practical, and yeah, that's kind of my view on it. You know, I think you. Unless I you're can, born, I think I can. I can be, unless you're have, you been, have you ever been religious, Gus? Pardon? Have you ever been religious? Um, no, I've studied it, but I've never been religious. Um, I'd like. When I was when I was in, I had uh, I used to have Buddhist on my dog tags, but that was purely because I didn't want to be buried as, as something. If I got smashed up, I didn't want to be automatically buried as a Christian because I'm definitely not a fucking Christian. If I'm close to anything Buddhism, but once you get into Buddhism, you you realise that it's fucking bollocks anyway. It's it's not a religion. So yeah, but I wouldn't say I was religious. Why didn't you have just have no religion on there? Because if I was closer to anything, it was it would it would be Buddhism. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So okay. I'm not I'm not agnostic. I'm not an atheist. You know what I mean? I'm not. It's just that you. I think you pick the story that works best for you. If you're not born into it, if you're not born into something, or you live in a country where everything's so bound by religion, which are you know they're few and far between, generally nowadays. 
uh, I think you pick the story that works best for you. And yeah, yeah. well, I, I think it'll die out. I do. I, I mean, just thinking about it, I do think it'll die out because I was thinking about like what, the way I was and where my kids are. Is that when I was when I was brought up, I was brought up Roman Catholic. My, both my parents mm-hmm. are Roman Catholic. Oh, yeah, my mother's Roman Catholic. My dad's sort of not anymore. You know, but he never was really. You go to you go to the church and read the paper. Well, you only go to the church because my mother would make us go. So like every Sunday, and I vowed never to go. Once I was sixteen, we have to go to midnight mass, Christmas Eve, and everything. Break me. Um, uh, but so I was brought up. Like that. You know, I did Holy Communion, I did study and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really pushed on me apart from those Sundays when I was young. And then the, the Christmas Eves when I was 16. But it wasn't, I, I, it wasn't like a daily, religion wasn't a daily thing in my life, pushed on me from my mother and my dad. Um, but I was given the freedom of what I wanted to do. And as I grew up, I just, you know, I realised, what, what? <laughs> you know, over time. I, I did the same with my kids. My kids both, uh, well, my, it's my eldest's last day today. She she's finishing in, in a Catholic school. But when she was in primary school, she went to a C of E primary school. My youngest went to a C of E primary school and now she's in a she's in a normal secondary school. But I mean chose the religious schools because at the time Ofsted they seemed good. Generally religious schools seemed to be just more better disciplined. Mm-hmm. That's my experience anyway. Um, but I'm treating them the same way and leaving them to the side. My 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 youngest went through a phase of because she knew because I went through I went through a real like anti-theist phase, hated religion, hated it. I'm on the tail end of that now, right? I thought it was the devil, funny. Um, and she knew that, and she's like me, she's an antagonist. Yeah. So she she went full-blown religious, you know, like 100% believe in God. But I didn't, I just play, I didn't play along with it, but that's fine, that's what I do, that's cool. But now they're both, they're not religious, neither of them, they're completely opposite, like what, a lot of shit kind of thing. Um, and I think more people are going to be bringing their kids up like that. I reckon, and it's that's what that's what ingrains it into you that re, that sense of there's something about us in the religious sense and living your life disciplined in the, in the religious way is because you know, that's what you're talking about, and that's happening less and less now. It has to be because more because more people are aware of the facts, like Ben said. Unless people are so, unless people are bringing their kids up in that religious way, and it, it's not the norm anymore. I don't. I think people who are religious and go to church now—they're the outsiders now. And I mean, you think oh, that's a bit weird. You would literally think that's a bit weird. When I was growing up, it was normal. Yeah. You know, but depending depending where you're brought up. You know, I brought up in a Welsh family, so it's, they're very much behind. You know, it's like the north of England. You know, it's like Scotland, the hills. They're all a bit, they're like flipping a generation behind the cities, aren't they, in terms of evolution. <laughs> so thinking about it, I think, I think it will die out. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the people who benefit from it, the popes, the flipping imams, the, whoever the head of, the, of Islam is, uh, and Judaism and all of that, whatever, the, you know, the people who are behind, who benefit from it monetarily, financially, and, and power in whatever way, shape, or form, politics as well. I mean, look at what's happening in Palestine right now, right? Um, they're going to have to find new ways to benefit from it and keep it mainstream. The Pope, for example, I'm trying to think what he's done recently. Well, an example of that would be allowing uh, the, the Pope and the, the Catholic Church allowing same sex marriage. 
Yeah, I had this conversation 10, maybe 10 years ago when I first got on, twi- on the Twitter. And it, you know the singer, Catherine Jenkins? Mm-hmm. I went to school with her, right? And I went to school with her sister. It was with her sister randomly on Twitter, randomly. And, and I, it was an argument. I say argument. She, it was like she was, she was saying, oh, it's great that, so the words to the effect, it's great that same-sex marriages can now happen in church. Whether it's Catholicism or whatever it was. And I'm not religious. I wasn't religious at the time. And well, the point I made was it was it was bollocks. You shouldn't be allowed because why should why should the Catholic why should the church? Now I've since rethought my thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. But why should the church be be made to change its whole thing, its whole its key aspect of religion? Something that was decreed is not allowed is blasphemous and sinful. To now be allowed just because of because that's what it says, it like makes a mockery of the whole of that whole sin. And oh, it's now no longer a sin. Oh, God was wrong, kind of thing. But uh, that's the point I made, and that's I give that example of how how things are going to religions are going to have to change to move the time. Jaws it almost sort of falsifies what the religion is all about. The way it's about it's, it's crap. But on that, on the point that was made back to me when I had this, it was Stu Hale actually. Years later, when I brought that, that little anecdote, it, it was that that sort of rule and a lot of the rules and the guidelines that were in the are in the Bible, they weren't decreed by God or Jesus. They were just sort of things that happened over time and got brought in because they were convenient for whatever reason. Yeah, it's not true. You know, Ben gave the, the example of the dog walking the shit and the pork. Absolutely, it, the same thing must have been the case with a man or same sex. Relations. It probably something, probably something to do with disease and death. Probably you don't know yet. Yeah. Mm. Um, but go back to the point. Well, it's prolific, well, isn't it? Time to stay relevant. What are we going to do? Homosexuality was prolific in um, in sort of Roman, Greek, and everything else culture as well. So, you know, it, and it still is today in in the Middle East. Although they don't obviously own up to it, we all know this because we we've, we've been there. Um, it's obviously massively, um, obviously frowned upon. People get killed for it. But actually, what goes behind closed doors is absolutely horrendous. Um, and I'm not talking about homosexuality in the fact that there's two men or two or two women uh, love each other i'm talking about you know debauchery really is what i'm probably talking about but i think um i completely agree with 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 the point you you've said there i do think it sounds hypocritical for us to, to <clears throat> force these measures as saying it's the word of god well there's no proof that it's word of god is there because everything that we have is someone's interpretation. At the end of the day, it was Muhammad's interpretation that was written in the Quran. It was um, John the Baptist and and all or the disciples that wrote the stuff into the Bible originally, uh, or you know those testaments and stuff. And then, and then it was translated by uh, by European and Norman monks. You know, so obviously each time it evolves and and, um, and and people get their own interpretation. And that's that's the biggest problem with religion is the fact it is left in, uh, down to interpretation and it becomes very corruptible. Well, you know? when I mentioned I mentioned Man Love Thursday to my girlfriend in the last six months, 12 months, and she had she has suspicions that I'm a closet homosexual. I'm going to come out like in 20 years time and dinner because I fancy men. Like she, she's genuinely. So when I mentioned Man Love Thursday, 
she uh, she probably killed me because I mentioned that. But when I mentioned Man Love Thursday to her, she assumed that it was as having sex with each other on ops. <laughs> My missus, my missus thought a dump pouch was a pouch that you can have a shit in while you're on ops. (laughs) 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 So, uh, yeah, again, interpretation (laughs) and what what, what they, what they, what they think of things. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think the thing is as well, I think it's very easy as well is i think when you look at religion you should look at religion as a whole like what we i think we've done there we haven't gone into into detail and i think details where you can easily pick things apart you know uh we can always say that you know if there was a god would he be giving a 12 year old kid cancer if there was a god would would he have would he have allowed the murder of the most pious uh, sect the the jews to be persecuted by uh by the nazis um look at the how many was it i can't remember ridiculous number hundreds and hundreds of thousands of christians killed at the hands of the turks uh uh and um all these other things the most pious people in the world if there was a god would they allow these things to happen if there was a god would kids be hurt etc um and i think that's easy to take it but we know this is this is not the case However, I think what we are discussing here is actually the the wider point of what is the what is the need of religion, and I'd argue um, this day and age, if we've got a decent just justice system, um, then I don't think we ne- necessarily need um, need the religion. However, going, my my last point on this is many people stop in saying the guess, last point because it, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, fair one. Uh, people in in times of desperation will turn to God, or turn to a, a God, and we've seen that on, on ops, and we've seen that on tour where people become incredibly religious before they go out on the ground um, because they need hope, they need something to protect but them. Only it's greater it's there, than... But only because it's there. If it wasn't there, they wouldn't. It's it, it, it's Agreed. like we, we, it's Agreed. it's almost like we've as we've evolved. We've moved away from an intrinsic motivation to extrinsic motivation. People have needing this other thing to help you live your life the right way, which because we're and just again, just as an evolutionary thing, just happened over time. And maybe as we move forward now, and just become more aware of the facts, and and also we are becoming more aware of the importance of understanding yourself, mindfulness, well-being, mental health, all of that. We're going to move, uh, and as religion becomes less relevant, we're going to hopefully, well, maybe we're going to come back from that extrinsic motivation back to intrinsic, internal motivation. Look, I don't need it. I don't need religion to know what what is a good thing to do and what is a bad thing to do. What makes me feel good? What makes me feel bad? You know, laws guide me in what is good and bad generally. You know, as in on the in those certainly in the grey areas, right? <laughs> like when you can and can't kill someone, for example, right? But for the rest, the day to day, I know what's good and bad, and I suppose, yeah, I, I have a, I have a, I have a, my baseline understanding of that is because I was raised by religion, in religion, yeah, and I was taught arguably the rights and wrongs by by the church, probably, I certainly, not, and by school, the church, by my parents' actions and and, uh, and the significant people in my life, but it, it's not needed, and again. 
going back to where I, where I bumped, jumped in here a bit, so, you know, people jump, cling on to religion in times of hard times because it's there. If it's not there, it would be something else. It would be something else they would jump onto, but it would just be in within them or their mates, colleagues, family. They would, they would cope with it in a different way. It's just a tool, a coping mechanism that's there. It, it isn't needed. No. If there was any point I, I made that, I made as any point. No, no, no. I think all your points was that that's exactly. I mean, I think that's how we that's how we think, and and I think the 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 way we are and way we comprehend. Uh, like this, these discussions, we we aren't taking an extreme view either way. What we're saying is, mm-hmm. is the fact that you know we've evolved to a state now, as you and uh, without stealing your point, um, we've evolved to a state now that our moral compass is is what's guarding us. What we are lacking though, and is definitely strong parenting going forward. I think people laying those ground rules uh, down at an early age. Uh, you you know you were lucky. I, I sent my kids to a school that's based on a religious background, um, not for any other reason, but basically because they've got some really good guidelines and they make people ha- accountable for when they do muck up and when they are bad. And you know they don't let the kids run riot. And you know and there is a there is some really good things. There's also really good stuff that I want to keep as well. I mean I love the idea of some of these pagan festivals like Christmas and Easter and all these other bits and pieces that I really enjoy. I, I love going. To to, uh you know mass on uh, christmas eve and sing some carols why not it's fucking brilliant you know it makes me feel warm uh, happy i get to do it with my friends my family you know i like to take these pieces of tradition i don't see the point that there's a guy with a big gray beard behind it um you know or anything else but i definitely love the the idea of the tradition be- behind all these sort of bits and pieces um but definitely, I think parenting needs to be stronger than going forward to ensure that we have people who do have a moral compass to go to to uh, set society straight. I don't know if well, I think I think maybe it's getting weaker because there's not as much of a need for the, the parent to 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 communicate information to the kids. Again, that availability of information, but the, which means that because they're not having to have that constant communication and teaching to the kids means that also those other sort of sub, not subliminal yes or sidelines subliminal uh, teachings that you do as a parent to your kids like your moral compass for example like how to behave how to act physically verbally whatever is not communicated because there's less communication it's an interesting point actually which is why kids are so fucking rude these days I think guys yeah. are very quiet um, I'm listening to you too. <coughs> yeah, yeah you're, sorry. You're, you're the philosopher. <laughs> so you're the philosopher of the three of us, 100%. That's just, I'm, I'm just listening. It's like, it's more interesting for me to listen to what you two say than it is for me to just fucking chat shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of the religious stuff comes down to purpose. You need a, it's about purpose and it's, the, it's this it's this end of life thing so what happens when you die mm. okay so a lot of it is about enforcing behavioural codes in the hope that you go somewhere cool after you're dead or you come back depending on what you believe or you come back and you have a better life afterwards so really it's just an incentive scheme to not be a cunt um, so summed up he's done it he's summed it up <laughs> Incentive scheme to not be a cunt. 
So let's imagine that, okay, so what if, what if we find out that there is, this isn't, this isn't just it. You know what I mean? It's the only thing that I think that can, can, could destroy religion as we see it is that actually it's, it's proven that when you die, you are, something else happens. Whether you as an individual live on or you, you know, you start again in another fucking dimension or whatever, it doesn't matter what happens afterwards, but it's only the proving of something after this specific life that you're living now that would destroy religion, I think. Because then it's like, I mean, but in fact, maybe that's bollocks. Would, it, would religion, let's imagine, so we finish this life and then we go and do another life in a different di- uh, dimension, or we live this life again, and have to try and get it better. Imagine what those two things approved. Religion would probably just leapfrog ahead to the end and go, well, you know what it's like? Well, it's the end of this life. Oh, it's, it's the end of when you've done fucking 10 lives or whatever. I think it's always going to be there. Yeah, mm. it does seem to, it does seem to get everything. Religion always seems to have a convenient answer for everything. Yeah. Um, why did Hitler kill hundreds of thousands millions of people oh it was free will god allowed him free so god allowed him to kill millions of people but he didn't look after the millions of people that were praying to him every day and throwing smoke up his ass no no okay but it's free will but that's okay so you know uh again i'm i'm picking holes which is the wrong wrong thing to do but um yeah i I think you're completely right it's a guideline to stop being a cunt yeah it's a dangerous thing anyway the whole knowing the meaning of life thing is bullshit because if you knew the meaning of life, it, how would it actually change what you did tomorrow? So you, I tell you, Ben, okay, here's the meaning. Of, let's, let's try out some of the fucking, you know, okay, we're saying you can go to heaven. Okay. Uh, no, it's just the meaning of life is just to be nice and love each other. You know, whatever, or it's to get fucking enlightened or whatever bollocks you decide is the meaning of life. When you wake, I tell you that now, so you are now, you two are now enlightened beings. You fucking know everything. You know the fucking score. You know what life's about. How does that actually change how you live your life tomorrow? It doesn't change life at all. You've still got to set up an HR4K and try and make some fucking cash money. You know what I mean? It doesn't actually change your life. It does, because your perception changes and your values will change. But would it? You know, that will influence your decisions. Why? Because you look at life in a different way. Why would you? What if you if you thought there was something after an afterlife? Yeah. So wait, as in just you might I'm not saying you won't be become like a a nicer person or whatever. I'm not saying that, but your day to day life isn't going to really change, is it? You still got to get up and go to work. No, but decisions, the impact of decisions would would potentially be. They'd be less significant. But why do you need because that? If you fuck it up now, you've got another chance, whatever that is after. I'm just saying, I'm not saying yeah, that yeah. Me, I'm just saying. No, no. Just, you know. But why, but, you know, why do you need the excuse of knowing what the meaning of life is to behave like that? No, you don't. Yeah. You don't. So actually, you don't need to know. So these fucking idiots that yeah. sit in temples the whole time, chanting, are just fucking scared of normal life. That's why the Dalai Lama's a cunt. But what the fuck does he know about normal life? Yeah. You know what I mean? They say the, the people who hide away from the stress of normal life and then tell you how you should live your life are fucking idiots. But they're not hiding away from it. What they're doing is their normal life. They haven't experienced it. And they're doing, it's, again, it's, it's the same thing. As why, 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 why am I like this? Why this yeah, way? Yeah, I, get it. But I, I, I can look at, 
you know, I can look at next door neighbor and they look at me and go, oh my God, his life is not normal, mental. And I can look at them and go, your life is not normal, mental. Uh, Gaz, just yeah, to your that, point, you said earlier about what religion's for and the guideline. I think maybe Hugh needs religion. I agree with Hugh's point in there. I think obviously we, we used uh, probably a bad example to get that point across, uh, Gaz, of saying that if you've seen the afterlife, that, that's that's the, that's irrelevant. That's not the point you're making. Your point was making is if you had the meaning of life, would that change your day to day? That's the question. That's that's really the statement. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just such a broad question that it's another one of those things like religion sets you that it can't really be explained so you just keep trying to find the answer to isn't it it's a baffling thing it's and it's very attractive i i i got him i can't have told you guys this i've got a friend and he, he's x3 power and in fact this happened while he was serving really switched on cookie he's not a stupid guy he's an intelligent guy like more intelligent all three of us right which wouldn't be hard okay and he was trying to, he was, he was also a, a flipping womanizer, and he was trying to fire into a, a, a girl who was religious. Mm-hmm. And he ended up, in order to get to fire into this girl, okay, he, she, was, she was very religious in a very religious family. He started going to church with her. The just Groundwork. Yeah. Started going to church with her. And uh, ended up never getting anywhere but ended up becoming very religious and to the point where we were basically called Jesse and Three Power, like I said. And he would, each weekend, he would go to a different church. He, different churches from different, what you call it, strains of Christianity, right? And just because he, he, he just, he liked experiencing it, like a community, but he was flat out religious Christian. Went from zero to that in a space of, I think it was a space of six to 12 months. It coincided with it was after um, it was after a, a tasty tour that he'd done, and so that was part of it. You know, it was a, he had a lot going on, but it, it amazed me. I remember, remember he came over for drinks one night. We were we were on the, we were on the piss at my at my house, and I, I, I said, you know, I, I said to him, I don't I don't understand what what's going on. You you are this super intelligent guy. You got a handle on everything. You got real experience in life before you joined and when you joined. You know, you you know the jet. How are you now religious? I, I don't understand either, and, and he couldn't really answer it. He just I just believe it, mate. I mean, he explained to me how it happens. It just just it just works for me. Just I just enjoy it. This works for me. And an element of that at the time, he knew it was bullshit. He had to have known it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. But it was working for him to the point he was going to church. Mental. Maybe he's getting other bags. that significant to him at that time in his life. He was going to church. He doesn't yeah. anymore. Yeah. It took, he, I don't know how long it took him to come out. He doesn't anymore. He's back to what he was before. Mm-hmm. But Probably after he got through the congregation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, but this it, is really again, weird. It still amazes me to this day that someone like that can, can, was swept up by religion. You go, wow. Someone who knows everything, they've experienced everything, they know the gem, wasn't born up in religion and got completely immersed in it, completely swept away by it. You know, it, incredible. An adult, an adult. I understand that, it with kids. Doesn't that tell you that it could be anything? That could have been something else. It could have been, yeah. it was a time in his life where he needed something to help him get through it. And religion, because he wanted to smash that chick, was the, that was the way he got into that. But that, he could have just got into fucking base jumping and found the, the source there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get that. That's so basically whatever. It's not actual the appeal of God. It's appeal of something of a sense of belonging or mm. something. Or, or uh, it's really weird. While we we're talking, I literally just got a text come up from the, uh, the head. The, uh, the, well, not far, not far off. He's actually the head padre or whatever you want to call him. The head guy for DSF. He's just yeah. text me and go, "Oh, we'll have a chat later, mate." I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just dropping you an email. Who's that from? God, <laughs> fucking hell! He's a top. He's a top. No, he, um, we um, we're working together, doing some bits on uh, transition, helping um, uh, guys and girls uh, transition and do bits and pieces. So he's just he's just takes me there. But um, yeah, you go go. Your point there, Hugh is. There's also, I mean, like I agree with you. You see, see people of doctors and men and women of science uh, mm-hmm. heavily involved in in religion, and you you like you literally. But then I've also um, gone to the National History Museum um, and looked at sort of vicars and and nuns walking around looking at dinosaurs. I'm thinking, what are you actually looking at here? <laughs> is this like an amusement park, or you know, what is it? Well, then maybe the you facts. Might- the facts are in front of you. There's yeah. more fact there than there is of like some sort of, I don't know, maybe a a pipe rack made by Jesus during his carpentry days that you can see on show at the at the Vatican. You well, know, these are real facts. Maybe that's the what we actually come to at the end, and that's why it may not go away. You know, it will keep evolving, just to be a crutch for people because the people who are believers, quite a lot of them probably know that it's fucking bullshit, but if that's the, the life they're living, that's the system they're in, works for them. And, you know, like with most, with, with the attitude of most decent people in the world, provided you are not fucking bothering me with your bullshit, you can just do what the work you like. You want to believe in whatever, I don't care. Just uh, don't push it on anybody else. You know? Yeah, you are your actions at the end of the day. Exactly. That's the responsibility. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think you summed it up really nicely there, Gaz. I think you absolutely summed up really nicely. At the end of the day, whatever it is that's attracting you to that, as long as it's for 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 good, then then there's nothing wrong with it, is there? Yeah. Um, do well, absolutely was not a plan to talk about religion and the meaning of life. Um, before we shoot off, because we've done our hour. Uh, do you have a well? Let's let's go Hugh in first because she's got a new little project. So let's talk about your cigar. Thank you. Tell us about that. You would like to talk about? It, I I don't want to talk about it because I don't smoke cigars. But I'm I'm aware that uh, you're working on something, and it'd be nice. Oh to well, I think yeah. Well, we set the combat. Well, you know, the combat cigars thing. I actually planted a little seed in Ben's head a few months back. So would you ever sell tobacco? He's like, no. Okay, I see that. Here's a mucka G. He said. He actually said. He said, no, it doesn't align with our values and what we're doing, well-being and all that, while he's selling alcohol. Anyway, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, smoke, and smoking weed on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a problem at the minute. Yeah, Combat Cigars, we've got a slight drama. So we partnered with, um, here's a cool little project. We partnered with a farm, an independent tobacco farm in Colombia. And... Uh, we, we've got a second batch of, I mean, the first batch of cigars coming is epic. HMRC, which is, oh my God. Um, second batch is inbound now, but at the same time, Nelson, who runs the tobacco farm and hand rolls these cigars, uh, he's, he's in intensive care with coronavirus. Ah, fuck's sake. As of yesterday. Yeah, bad, bad. So, um, yeah, yeah, nightmare. You don't, I mean, you don't want coronavirus, right? But you don't want it in Colombia either. No. 
Uh, <laughs> fingers crossed, really. Absolutely fucking oh. Yeah, no, it's good. I, you know, I mean, I'm not bothered about talking about it too much, you know. So, okay. But um, it's cool because the two, so I'm one, 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 it wasn't my idea. So there's, you know, there's, there's all of the companies under the sun, veteran comes out of the sun out there. It's like, it's like charities. Everyone's doing all the same things. T-shirt companies sprouting up everywhere. Coffee mm-hmm. companies sprouting up everywhere. I've got nothing against that at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's at, at bare minimum, whoever's doing it, whoever sets up one of those things where, where you see, you see they're going into a, a saturated market and that's fine, but the, you're, I also see that man. They don't realise how hard they can find it, mm-hmm. and I just want the best for them. In that, okay, they're going to come out the other Good. side. It's going to be really hard to make. It's going to be really hard to make it successful. It's probably going to fail. Into it. When I say fail, I mean it's not going to generate thousands of pounds a month that they think it's going to generate, them, mm-hmm. right? But as long as they come out the other end and have learned from that. That's yep. mega because it's mega to start up a business these days. It, it, so it's easy to start a business these days. Super easy, and there's loads of support. Like it's on the front. We've spoken about this before. It's on the forefront of ex-military people's minds. Start up a business, and that's mega. Mm-hmm. So we're just much more entrepreneurial now, I think. Yeah. But again, because back to that, people doing it are learning a hard lesson. <laughs> like when they go into the coffee, the t-shirt, the whatever saturated market. Right? Yeah. But there was no cigar company. <laughs> <laughs> so the two guys around this idea, it was the worst, it was the worst Dragon's Den pitch ever, right? <laughs> so they said, so it was episode 100. So we did that. We went and, we went and went out, camped that night. May have, well, you did drink. May have smoked some stuff. May have eaten some fungi as well. And they were like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got this idea for you, you're going to love it. And I said, okay. And they said, veteran owned cigar company. And I went, mega, mega, mega. It doesn't exist. It's not a general. I was like, mega. It's not there. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, everything else is done. There's alcohol. It's everything. It's not a cigar company. Mega. I said, how much are you going to sell? How much are you going to sell cigars for? Don't know. Okay. Um, where are you going to store the cigars? Don't know. Okay. Where are you going to get the cigars from? Don't know. It was <laughs> they literally, their, their business idea was, we're going to start a veteran on cigar company. And that, yeah. that was it. That was the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> like, I laughed. I laughed for a long time. But we ended up find, finding this, because I didn't want it to be white label. I didn't want it to be, oh, let's buy some cigars from somewhere. From yeah, some yeah. fucking shipper. From, and, and they would just take off the label. Or they do it for us and put our own label on. Our bollocks. Yeah. We, want our own, we want our own road, which, which was hard to do. And we, uh, to find like a needle in a haystack. Because those kind of places... They're new, like new world cigars, independent. They're, they're, their market that they already service is going to be close to them, like mm-hmm. the villages in Colombia or towns in Colombia, which means it's hard to communicate with them. They probably don't speak English. Yeah. One of the guys had a um, friend of a friend, actually, in fact, religious guy, who the guy who went, got religious. Oh, right. and then he had a mate, a Scottish mate in Colombia, who's a tour guide <laughs> and knew of an independent farm. And we had a, in comms and we got the role. So, yeah, it's cool. But it's good because two guys, so Stephen. Stephen Jarrett, who were uh, the guys who thought up the idea, and they're my business partners. Yeah? Mm-hmm. They're not, it's their first real entry into sort of entrepreneurialism. Mm-hmm. And Jared isn't really, I mean, he's not bothered. Jared's doing this exciting project. He loves cigars. Mm-hmm. Steve loves cigars. But Steve is mega entrepreneurial. He's okay. a maniac as well. Bags of energy. 
So, uh, like I said, today, like, we'll, we'll aim for doing, we'll get one batch in, we'll aim to do it once and see what happens. If it's viable, cool. If we make money off it, cool. If not, we've been it. But at the very least, we've done something early and you guys have learned something. It's really been interested at learning about it. You know, and that's where we're at. But it's looking, it's looking good. It's the second lot coming in. They're popular. They're cool. Um, we've got a pre-order on now. Come on, And also, we're making humidors out of ammo boxes, which you can only get in the States. We're making them here. Amador, but they're not online yet. But no, yeah, no, cheers for allowing me to talk about that. Are you able to grow it in the UK? I mean, through, I don't know, polytunnels, something like that. Are you able you to can, do that? Are you growing it? Well, I don't know about that, but you can. So the problem with importing tobacco, but oh, that's this whole thing is one, you've got the cost associated with it. So we pay about two. So let's say, for argument's sake, we pay a pound for each cigar. We don't, but let's say we pay a pound. When we import that, when it hits customs, this next battery hits customs on Tuesday, for each cigar, we're paying about £2.53 just to get them on our doorstep mm-hmm. in customs, in, in import duty and VAT. So it's like two or three times triple the actual cost. It's crazy, right? If you import, if you import the leaf, tobacco leaf, all dried, ready to go, but it's not in the form of a cigar, you don't get charged that. Right, so that's how to reduce your costs. However, you have to find someone who rolls cigars. I can't remember the name of what the name of someone who rolls cigars, but you they get paid mega bucks. So in the States, you're looking at I say mega bucks. If someone who rolls cigars, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year is what like starting salary would be for them. You think we're gonna roll those roll cigars? So we were talking about a year, or we could start rolling over a year. We started looking into it, it's like my head. You know, you could pay a cigar roller, but if that cigar roller over here leaves, we want you have to pay him a lot of money. And if he leaves, you've got no cigar roller. And what about cigar. going to what about going to Colombia, learning how to, mm. to roll so and thinking, get trained and get trained? I mean, you know, that's long term. Yeah, but it's time. It, I mean, again, it goes back to the it's time. Like none of us are getting paid. None of us are getting any money from going mm. cigars and they're not getting paid. And for us to do that, it's full time. It's like it's a full time thing, someone rolling cigars. All, all day, which means they'd have to get paid enough money to bin their job off now. And then there's risk associated with that. And if you do that as a business, and let's say Steve goes, goes to Columbia and learns how to be a cigar roller, comes here and rolls cigars for us, what if Steve decides to leave the business? Or spanks him? Or loses a hand? <laughs> you know, we're screwed. Screwed. It's, it's um, it, to be honest, important and viable financially uh, at the moment. But none of us are taking any money. <laughs> <laughs> That's until Ben goes to Colombia and learns how to roll cigars. So, so I can um, see the wheels turning. So, one yeah, of the yeah. things, yeah. one of the things, I think the big lesson that anything for starting a business. Now, I completely agree with a good friend, Michael Paul Careless, who says, you know, these people who call themselves entrepreneurs. I mean, I made that mistake. I don't think you're an entrepreneur until you've, until you've really done it properly. What you are is someone who enjoys starting businesses up and enjoys the journeys that you're taking. And I think the journey is the biggest thing here is when you set a business up, it's about owning something. It's about having something and being a chance to create. And for me, uh, set a new business up or getting involved in businesses. I've just done this thing now, um, which I'll send a picture over to you. I'll I'll keep on the download for the next podcast we do together. Um, But I've spent more time on this one little project that probably won't owe me any money. 
but I'm, I, it's just a chance to be creative and have fun. Is this a thing now, I'm aware of? Yeah, you are. Oh, I, it's okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, um, but one guy said to me before, and I've used it before, he said, it's not about how successful your business is. It's about the journey and the people you make on the way. Yeah. Because actually, even if you're unsuccessful in that one uh, thing that you're doing, you'll pick up enough contacts and networks that actually something else will evolve out of this. And I think as human beings, I think as human beings, many of us want and feel the need to create. And I think that is what a business is for many of us. Yeah. Well, how does, going back, how does Paul Careless define entrepreneurialism? I would imagine um, that he does buy money. He does buy money. Yeah. He does buy money. Money. Making a, like, making uh, uh, a foot to yeah. the money. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so I think he's a entrepreneur is someone who's made a lot of money. Is but his point, yeah. like I think you define your own success. You know what I mean? Like, in, you, your own, in your own success. You've got, you've got, you've got an entrepreneur and you've got a successful entrepreneur. You've got entrepreneurs, you've got successful entrepreneurs. Yes. Yeah, I define entrepreneur as someone who is, it's the, it's the undertaking, it's the endeavor of, of, cons, of innovating in, in business and creating business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think his like I think his point's probably more raised at just these people. It's the same as people yeah. who use it on their bio as an influencer. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there that are claiming they're entrepreneurs, and really what they they are is scamming people to get them in, to get to get to get them in to then right. say, "Hey, yeah, I can help you set, set up your business. I'm an entrepreneur." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's yeah. What I think it applies to the equity, maybe. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, we, we I mean, dude, we saw that on fucking Clubhouse. Our experience from Clubhouse, you must have seen that. The Clubhouse was literally just fucking scam artists trying to get you to fucking listen to their thing and buy them. Well, I didn't, I didn't spend any time in any other room apart uh, from when okay. we were talking. But okay. in, in hindsight, yeah. one of, like, we didn't experience growth in the audience, did we? Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a, there's a few reasons for that. But one of those reasons in hindsight is because People aren't interested. People aren't there to fucking listen. They're there to be heard. Mm. They, they're there to be heard. They want their voice out mm. there. Yeah. That, that, that's it. And I think as well, it, it, would be, it would have been different if we had been more, uh, you know, more known. If we had bigger, you know, bigger followings behind us, because then people, and because people know that we invite interaction with the people who follow us, the people who support us, mm -hmm. our brands, our whatever we do, whatever endeavors we're part of. And so they know there's opportunity there for them to get their voice. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, Again, yeah, yeah. We, we aren't those hashtag influencers yeah. that they want. But what was good, again, what, what was what's good is I liked that the people who came stayed. The people who knew us, yeah, I say knew us, they stayed, which is, you know, we maintained the, the the numbers which was good because it was difficult man i it was it was hard not to talk shit hard to, it was hard to that's talk why i jacked that's yeah. why i jacked on it i just I, yeah, I, 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 every morning just try I, I probably wouldn't be not yeah. far behind you it was getting difficult i because i didn't like again this is all in hindsight i didn't like again not being able to talk in depth about stuff I got time to go and research things, and you just yeah. end up sounding like a moron with opinions, just for sake of own opinions. Exactly, that's what I felt like. Because the way we did it, where we was literally like, right, I'm going to look through Twitter and see what the news is this morning, and then let's just talk about it. I became very aware very quickly that I didn't have a fucking clue what I was talking about, and I was <laughs> I was spouting opinions. It, when, it's almost like an echo chamber, then, isn't it? Yeah, you, exactly. You, you end up evolving your opinion 
without taking on any more significant yep. information. You it's like this to me. I, I, you know, what you think you learned yesterday, but you yeah. taught yourself it yesterday because of a chat you had with two lunatics. Yep. Yeah, it was just hot take. It was just fucking, here's my fucking hot take on this. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's bullshit or not, but if you listen to this, you're going to think I think that. And actually, half an hour after I've said this, I'm not going to think that anymore because I'll realise <laughs> I'm a fucking mongo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, let's fucking suck this shit. But, I need to uh, do some work, by the way. Yeah, I know. Let's, uh, let's cut away. Let's disappear. So I will finish by just apologising to the audience in general that we haven't been, been here for a couple of weeks um, because... Uh, well, to be frank, I'm really fucking busy at the moment with shit going on with uh, my mum's fucking cancer treatment. Um, so, when's this going out? Mate? Just be in about half an hour. Mate. So, okay, so uh, okay, so we have got, in all seriousness, we've got we got um, the sales up for Comet Cigars at the moment, and there's a limited amount. And in, it, I'm being deadly serious. If Nelson pops his clogs. This is going to be the last lot from Columbia. Fingers crossed, Nelson <laughs> don't pop his clogs. Honestly. <laughs> It's like we're really worried about it. He's a pray mega for dude. Nelson. Um, yeah, pray for Nelson, Janet. Uh, Combat cigars at Cody UK if you want to get them. Uh, that's it. No, cheers for that plug. Ben, ben, good to see you, mate. Good to see you too. It's actually really interesting. Really enjoyed that last bit there. It was quite good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I think it's, yeah. So, what's going on, Ben? Before you got going uh, on, not, not, a lot, not, not a lot, mate. Not a lot. We were just, as I said earlier, a bit of. A few over. irons in the fires. Yeah. Uh, just waiting for a few things to tick over. Obviously, you came down the other week. Everything that we sort of discussed then. Yeah. Um, but nothing. Jim's uh, up and running, which is really good. Uh, sales are great. Um, stuff's going on really well. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just getting itchy again because I just want to do some other bits and pieces. Roger. You know? Sounds about right. Okay. Can't just sit still. Thank you, everybody. I'll, uh, See you soon, man. I'll see, see you soon. Later. See you in a bit. See you later. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Cheers to you, Michael.